Thanks. I'm sorry. Just barged straight past you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I want you guys to have a look at the screen and have a look at this picture. What would you say draws your focus? Interact with it. What would you say draws your focus? The left window. Middle one. It's hard to distinguish what actually is the focus of this picture. I want to show you another picture. What is your attention? Oh, can we have the light off? The second one from the top left. It's still not as good, but what is your attention drawn to? That's right. The clouds. You'd say the focus of this picture is the sun. Now, if you were to draw a picture of your life, what would be in it? You might have a beach scene with a guitar, maybe some friends. Keep thinking, whatever is in that picture. Now, would any of those things in that picture be in the centre? And would they be representative of the centre of your life? Because if it is, then you would live as if it were the centre of your life. Well, this passage that we just heard read tells us that there is a centre to life and everything. And it's not you. It's not me, and it's not anything that you have put in that picture. This passage tells us that the centre is God on his throne, and that our response to who he is matters. So let's have a look at this passage and this vision that John has. So have a look at verse 1 with me. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, that's Jesus, said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. Luke, I think, is adjusting the thing. So after this, keep the attention here, at the very start of this chapter is referring to what I take to mean what's just happened beforehand. That is, after seeing the image of Jesus in chapter 1 and the letters that he's addressed to the churches, this happens. John is with Jesus before a door in heaven. Heaven, in this chapter, is God's dwelling place, and John is brought into this room, this scene in heaven. The first thing that he sees, and that we should see, is God is at the center. So imagine concentric circles. They're just circles within each other. It's a helpful image as we look at this passage. I'm going to go through quickly the vision, then slowly draw out a few things and what they mean. At the center, verses 2 to 3, John sees the throne with someone sitting on it, and he sees a rainbow encircling that throne. Next circle, in verse 4, he sees 24 other thrones and 24 elders on them around the center throne. Verse 5, from that center throne comes lightning and thunder. And in front of the fr- how good would it have been if lightning and thunder just went off right now? And in front of the throne is seven lamps, which are the seven spirits of God. Then back in the center, there are those crazy-looking creatures around the throne singing and declaring who God is. Picture makes sense, hey? Well, so what? Josh, you've told me that God is at the center positionally. 
And yes, I can see that in that crazy imagery. But so what? I've shown you this picture, yeah. And that can be the limits of this picture. But now let me show you as best as I can that God is at the center by who he is. That's the next important step in understanding this vision. So let's go back a bit slower. Let's go to verses 2 to 3. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. God is on a throne. Now, the throne brings imagery of royalty, authority, supremacy, and power. Now, John tries to look at the one who's actually on the throne, and he describes the appearance as two precious stones. Not only that, but around it is a rainbow, which is said to be shining like an emerald. So he's looking at this throne with someone sitting on it, and all he can see is intense color. You know when you look at the sun and you see the intensity of the brightness around the rim of it, you can make out the shape of a colour, but when it is sending out those intense rays, it's sometimes hard to look at. This is how I take it is for John. When he looks at the throne of God, all he can see is this intensity of colour coming straight back at him. What does it mean, though? Well, the one who's sitting on the throne is and has to be God. God can't actually be described by what he looks like. I can't say he had these eyes. I can't say he had long grey hair. It doesn't say that. He can't be described by what he looks like. No one has ever seen God face to face. John can describe what God's presence emits. But God is too holy. That is, he's perfect and separate. He's too divine. He's too pure, too magnificent to describe in human terms what he looks like. In a word... God is transcendent. He can't be described by human terms. That rainbow image in verse 3 is to make us think about Noah and the flood and how God then makes a promise to never flood the world again. It also shows us when God makes a promise, he keeps it, and that's the important thing. This rainbow is to show God's character in that he always keeps his promises. When he is described to you like this, and it's been so brief at the moment, do you just easily dismiss it? Or does the imagery of his character, what he's like, who he is, shape how you view him? It's a good question to ask. And I want you guys to keep asking this question as we keep moving on. So let's have a look at verses 4 to 6. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. I'm not going to say too much about these 24 elders. Other than that, they're pretty important. You can see that by how they're described with the robes and the crowns. It's not really about who they are. It's what they're doing. And we're going to actually come to what they do in a little while. In verse 5, we have lightning and thunder coming from the throne. So put yourself in a room with any celebrity that you can think of, and you would be in awe of them, right? Dwayne Johnson, massive dude. I don't want to be near him. He scares me. (laughs) I'm pretty amazed by that. I actually want to show you a clip from Lord of the Rings. Um, 
to kind of help illustrate, it's not the perfect illustration, but it's the presence of someone who evokes awe, inspires awe. Um, might hit those lights again. I saw the eastern sky grow dark, but in the west a pale light lingered. The voice was crying, your doom is near at hand. Isildur's bane is found. Gandalf, when you know you're in the presence of Gandalf, you're like Boromir, I'm sitting back down, I'm not talking, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. It's kind of like that, but let's go back into the frame with lightning coming out of it. That's a hectic image. What I think we learned from the lightning and thunder coming out from the frame is it's a place of amazement. It shows God's power and his awesomeness. It's not like, oh, that's pretty awesome. It's more like, whoa, that's awesome. I can't believe it. Like, it's so good. Do you see the difference? Do I need to do it again? (laughs) I'm not going to. You're meant to have the right perspective of a right fear, awe and wonder of the one who sits on that throne. Let's move on to the next few verses. So second part of six. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around it, even under its wings. We'll stop there. One had the face of a flying eagle. I wonder what one looks like as a stooped eagle. (laughs) That's a joke. Pretty poor one. These creatures are pretty crazy looking though. Four creatures that you wouldn't want to come just straight at you. When it mentions eyes, it's talking about them seeing everything. They look towards God and his creation. But the important thing about them is they start up the right response that flows out to the rest of the heavenly order. They respond to God's character and declare to God and others who he is. And because of God being on the throne, in the center, and because of who he is, we'll see the right response to God like this. So we'll read that second part of 8. The creatures, day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So these guys have been singing slash saying this for a long time. Isaiah 6 if you know your Bible well, in the Old Testament, there's, a, there's similar creatures who also declare something similar. So they've been singing this for quite a long time. The elders, those 24 dudes, in verses 10 to 11, they respond to that song and to who God is by bowing down before God and laying down their own crowns before God and worshipping. That is declaring that God is king. And not just that, 
but how good this king is. That's something you might have asked as we were going through it. I've seen God at the center and who he is, that he's holy and he's perfect. I've seen that. Is he good though? Well, we know that he is good in the Bible by what he has done in Jesus for us on the cross. Then you may ask, okay, how can I then approach a God like that? who's so holy, who's so perfect. That's next week. (laughs) I've kind of already alluded to it. The other thing that shows God is good is for Jesus to actually come to John and go, I want to show you this. God isn't hiding who he is. He actually wants to show who he is to us and he wants us to know him. He's a relational God and he wants us to respond rightly to who he is. Now, let's engage with um, that verse 8 and what they say, what the creatures say. We'll take it phrase by phrase. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. That is declaring that God is completely pure. He's perfect and he's separate. Almighty is talking about God as the God of armies upon armies, chapter 1. But also it's talking about his power, who was and is and is to come. It's relating to God... It's relating to that God has been this forever and will continue to be this. He is unchangeable. He will continue to be holy. He will continue to be perfect. He'll be the perfect God where true power and authority and goodness lies. You see, if you remember the guys who received this letter, this book, they are being persecuted and struggling in some areas as we've seen through the letters and weeks gone by. They're being persecuted by the earthly power of Rome and those who hate them for trusting and obeying in Jesus. But we also saw in those letters that some of those guys in the churches were just struggling with what was at the center of their life. So Laodicea, wealth. We saw that last week. It would be so easy to say the authority, the power, the persecution that comes from Rome is absolute. It's frightening and it's evil. How can... How can we trust in Jesus? Or those guys who aren't actually being persecuted by Rome, they're going, we're pretty good. Don't need anything else. Oh, yeah, I'll kind of go and trust Jesus when I feel like it. But my wealth's pretty good. This glimpse into the throne room of God is meant to provide a comfort and a wake-up call. Because true power, true authority true glory and majesty, true satisfaction comes from the true and living God. And yes, it is scary, but it's also good. This is a reality reality check for them in who they follow. Is it Jesus or the rulers of the world or their own comfort, their own center? But it's also our reality check. Are you following Jesus or your comfort? whatever's at the centre, whatever you described in that picture before. C.S. Lewis, old school dude, he wrote Narnia and many Christian books, and he writes this conversation between Susan and Mr. Beaver in The Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe. 
but he's good. He's the king. You see, when we understand who God is, there's a call to response. And the right response is having the right fear. That is being in awe of him, declaring that he is good. He is the king. He is holy. It is living with him as the center, at the center of your life, our lives. The wrong response, which we always choose, and we're natural to choose, I'm king. God's not. I'm good. It's not putting him at the center of our lives, where he belongs and living for him. It's actually ignoring him. And some of you guys may be ignoring him. That response fails to see the need of saving from our sin, which separates us from God. The Bible tells us we are all sinners, and unless we turn to God and ask for forgiveness and place Jesus as king over our lives by trusting and obeying and loving him, our eternity with a loving, gracious, and good God is never going to happen. You might be struggling with the imagery of what we've looked at tonight, and that's okay. It's hard to understand everything in this chapter and book. Don't get caught up by the things around the center. Be captured by who's at the center. And I just want to say this. God is at the center of the universe on his throne. At the end of this life, if he was at the center of your life and you lived as if he was, you're good. And you'd know that he was the center by if you are trusting, obeying, and loving his son, Jesus. If not, your leaders pray and I pray that it would never be the case that you never responded to God rightly. Come and know the true and living God now. It's not too late. Chat to someone about getting right with God now because it will be. There'll be a time where it's too, when it's too late, when that party looks so good but it's just going to fade into insignificance. It's going to be too late when Jesus returns. I'm going to finish by addressing Christians. And this is addressing me as well because these are questions I had to think about as I was looking into this passage. Is your whole life shaped to glorify God? Is he the center of your life? If you really analyze the picture that you drew at the start, is he there on his throne or is something else? Do you desire to know him more in his word, the Bible? Do you desire to pray to him for good things that will grow your understanding of him? And do you pray for things that are of his kingdom? Or do you pray out of selfishness? God, I want. God, I need. Do you desire to serve Jesus first, then his family? Do you desire to love his family and include new people? Do you desire to see more people saved from an eternity of being separated with this God, from this God? Do you, like those four creatures, desire to declare to God and to yourself and to others how good he is, how holy he is, how loving he is? Do you guys do that? I can say it's hard. I don't do it every day. 
But keep praying. Keep praying that God is the center of your life. Keep asking that he would be. Keep encouraging each other to do those things listed above, and I'm sure there's more. Keep persevering. Your picture of God needs to keep growing. He needs to be in his rightful place at the center of your life. There's a time when we will be before the throne of God, praising him forever. It's going to be sick. Keep working hard now at doing those things. Now is the response of what God has done for you through Jesus. I'm going to pray. Lord, when we see you for who you are, it's quite scary. (laughs) But we know that you love us by what your son Jesus achieved. So thank you that you did that, that you sent your son to die in our place for our sins and that he rose again to show that we can have certain hope of being with you forever. Lord, may we praise you for what you've done. May you be the center of our lives where you should be. May our actions and our heart show that we love you. Help us, Lord. Help us to see you for who you really are. Help us to put you in your rightful place. Amen.